Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's daily podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. My name is Rebecca Chen. I'm a partner with Freddie and Newman. I will be conducting the conference call for today. Uh, Gayatri, could you go ahead and um, start our first uh, question? Sure, Rebecca. Nitin? Hi, Rebecca. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, here's a. So, uh, my previous empl- employer accidentally uh, he ran a pay. Um, so what are the implications, uh, for that? Sorry, he accidentally, what? He accidentally uh, ran a pay, paycheck. An extra paycheck? Yeah, I'm, uh, though I'm not working for him, uh, for that company. So, yeah. Were you ever working for him on H1D? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was working with him last year, but this year I moved to a different company. Okay, and maybe after you transferred, they somehow accidentally ran a payroll for you after you had left the company? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, if it was a transfer, then it probably is not too much of an uh, issue. It can be looked at as um, potentially like a two-week uh concurrent employment when you were only supposed to be working with a new employer that you transferred to. Um, but if you weren't actually working for that company, that older company, I don't think it's a problem. If they, if you returned the pay that was accidentally given to you, I don't think it will be an issue. And the other thing is, in fact, they owe me some money, but I'm I'm choosing getting that pay. So I don't know how to consider that, um, amount. It's okay. If it was money that they owed you according to your LCA wages, then that's fine. It won't be considered kind of concurrent employment. It may be more of a problem on the company side for basically issuing you the pay later than they were supposed to, but on your side, it won't be a status problem. So, uh, I mean, I, I mean, to be honest, there wouldn't be any problems, right? No, although it would be absolutely safe if you are planning to file an I-485 have you filed an I-485 in the past year? No. Okay. Um, I mean, just to clear it um, and be safe, you could always just travel and come back into the country anytime before you file an I-485. So just that will clear up any past potential unauthorized employment. Although I would say it's even arguable whether it's unauthorized employment on your side. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, next person. Navia. 
Hello. Yes. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. Hi. Um, recently, uh, my wife traveled to India in the month of March, and she had her H-1B stamping uh, completed, and she came back to US uh, in the month of June, and uh, after that, she um, transferred her H-1B visa to a different employer. So uh, her stamping is valid until 2023 on her passport. So right now, if she travels to India next year, does she need to go for uh, uh, a Dropbox stamping again? Or? No. no, as long as she's planning to come back in H-1B status, even if it's with a different employer, she does not need to get a new H-1B visa stamp in her passport. So okay. the visa stamp in the passport is not employer specific. Okay valid up until the end date on that visa okay so she can travel like back and forth, uh, between india and us until she has the 2023 stamping right yes she just needs to make sure at re-entry to the us she needs to show the i-797 approval notice for her current employer okay okay and the same applicable for amendment too let's say if i if i'm going to amend, do an amendment to a different employer so a different client but the employer remains the same right so yeah is your visa stamp in your passport is still valid it's still valid right so i don't need to go for uh, dropbox yeah. again and do all those things no just make sure you show the most recent um applicable h1b approval notice at re-entry so that your i-94 that cvp issues you matches that okay but uh, on the stamping we have the previous employer name I yes on that's fine that's, that's not fine. a problem yeah that's not a problem mm -hmm. thank you sure Next person. Chandra. Hi, Rebecca. Um, so I, have, I have a situation, weird situation. So my priority date is March 2012, but in last October uh, 2020, uh, my attorneys, instead of uh, filing, downgrading the to EB3, uh, they directly filed EB2 uh, when it was not current, when the data filing was not current in October 2020. So USCIS, uh, instead of rejecting it, um, they accepted it and they have taken the fingerprints. They have issued me the, the EAD, advanced parole, and even they have uh, issued me an RFE to submit the medical. So, so in... Um, in uh, August 2021, I realized that our attorneys had made the mistake. And then I, con I contacted uh, Rahul Reddy, and then he suggested me to refile a new 485 mm -hmm. uh, with EP2. And I waited until October uh, 2021 when the data filing became current. And then mm -hmm. I applied it. And right now I, got, I have the receipts, and they have used my previous uh, fingerprints that I was that I had in uh, right. uh, the I'm previous filings. Yeah. yeah. So now I still have the RFE response time until next Monday uh, for the old filing, which is incorrect because that was filed when the date of filing was not current. Can I send, because when I'm, I'm, ask, I'm requesting my attorneys to um, send a note uh, by responding to that RFE because the RFE came from the field office, which is Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm requesting my attorneys to uh, respond to that RFE, telling them that, hey, we have refiled a new 485 and medicals have been attached to that new 485. Could you please use that 485 and adjudicate my case? My attorneys are saying that uh, they wouldn't be doing that. And uh, is there anything that I can do from my side responding to the RFP? I So the RFE is 
for the I-485 filed last year, and it's just asking for the medicals. Yes, yeah, exactly. I actually don't think you need to respond to that RFP, um, or if you do, you can just respond stating that a new I-485 with medical exams was filed. Here's the receipt notice. Um, basically, yeah, what's the status of the I-140 that was last year? Was uh, that is approved. Yeah, approved. Okay. Okay, so that was approved, but then they shouldn't have accepted the I-485 because it was filed based on one where the date was not Yeah, um, I wouldn't really rely on that I-485 anymore, basically, and just kind of rely on the most recent one that you filed that is was filed when the priority date was current, at least according to the filing dates. So, uh, I mean, most likely that previous I-485 will need to be withdrawn or it will be denied if USCIS realizes their mistake at some point. Um, I don't think there is a way for you to respond to that RFP and get them to connect it with your most recent RFE or I-485 file. I don't think USCIS is um, that efficient, actually. The files may not, probably are not even at the same service center or field office. They won't link them up in any way. So I would kind of consider that I-485 sort of uh, a loss, sort of, and just depend on this new one. Okay, so what you're suggesting is like, uh, don't respond to it, but because by Monday, if I don't respond, it's 87 days um, uh, completed and they would deny my uh, previous 485. But as part of my new uh, 485 that was filed recently in October, 2021, right? I have put a, a color note, my attorneys has put a color note to withdraw the previous 485. But okay. anyhow, yeah. anyhow, right now on Monday, since the time will be um, expired on the RFP response time, so they are going to deny anyhow. Most likely, if I, for, yeah, since, I mean, the the end result is the same, basically just that that previous okay. 485 goes away. I would probably, if I were the attorney, just respond to the RFE and ask them to, in response to the RFE, just withdraw the I-485 because a new one has been filed and is pending. Okay. Uh, probably better for it to be withdrawn by you within the RFE deadline rather than be denied for lack of response. Even though, even if that happens, that's not, that won't be, you know, anything terrible either. You have the new I-485. Can I respond to the RFE or should my attorney only respond to the RFE? Either of you can, but um, I would say just one of you should. So coordinate okay. the attorney. Okay. Yeah, cool. Thank you, ma'am. appreciate sure. it. Uh, next person. Kularoy. Hey, uh, uh, Rebecca. Uh, th thanks for giving me the chance. So my question is that my H1... Uh, expired on October, 2021, and my wife uh, EAD expired on the September 1st, 2021. And we have uh, filed H1, H4, and H4EAD uh, in the month of May in the California Center. So okay. it was taking so much time. So recently I have upgraded my H1B to the premium. So I'm assuming that I'll be getting uh, um, results by next 10 days and hopefully if I my wife also gets the H4 approval right so using the new extension the policy right so can my wife uh, resume her work or uh, using the auto extension the policy recently approved yeah 
So that auto extension policy applies in a situation where the H-4 status has been extended, but the I-765 for the EAD renewal is still pending. So if you're, well, at this point, yeah, so my wife's EAD application is still pending. Yeah. So I'll assume that HM1 and H4 will be approved, right? And only they may the not H4... be approved together. Your H1B most likely can be approved soon if it was upgraded to premium and there's no RFE. Um, they don't always approve the H4s at the same time as the H1Bs anymore. Um, yeah, I, I understand that. I assume that it has already been six months, right? So many people are getting the six months or seven months, the H4. Yeah. So I'm assuming so that it's it Hopefully it does. Um, they, once the H4 extension is approved, then if the I-765 is not yet approved at that time, then the auto extension policy would apply and she could start working based on the H4 approval, the I-765 receipt notice and the expired EAD card. She could provide those to an employer. Okay work authorization. Then okay, and uh, my if other- If I-9 is approved, the I-765 is probably going to be approved pretty soon. Okay. okay, and my other follow-up question is that, will she be getting the extension from where the EID was expired or my H-1B was, uh, or H-1 or H-4 was expired, like one month her later H4 than that? H-4 extension should be from the date her H-4 expired. Okay. Should be from, her last H-4 end date, and then the end date of the H-4 extension should match your H-1B end okay. date. Okay. And EAD also, she'll be getting after six months, right? Auto extension of six months after the H-4 EAD? So the auto extension of 180 days is if the H-4 gets extended, but the I-765 renewal ends up taking more time, then she is authorized to work for 180 days past her EAD expiration date. So if the EAD expired in September, that would be probably sometime in March. Okay, um, I see. How long she could yeah. work based on that pending I-765. Hopefully the new EAD arrives before then. Okay, thank, thank you so much. Yeah, that's all. Uh, next person. Andrew Shaker. Hi, hi, Rebecca. Um, so, uh, I filed my EB2 to EB3 downgrade uh, last year and uh, I have approved uh, EAD and I changed my petitioning, petitioning employer under uh, AC21. Uh, now my new employer is saying that they can, they can file a new 485 petition along with 485J and they would, uh, under my old employer's EB2140. So I'm a bit confused. Is that, is that, uh, can that be worked out in such a way? Uh, though my new employer doesn't own, own my EB2140? Yeah, so that is kind of um, something that's sort of being debated right now. And I'd say sometimes some attorneys have some differing opinions on that issue. Um, kind of our position is that if you have used AC21 to change to a different employer after 180 days of your I-45 being pending, um, it's no longer possible for you to move from EB3 to EB2, either through filing or a new I-485 application. Um, once you use AC21, you're kind of locked into that EB3 category that you filed with last year. Um, 
because in order to have the option of moving from EV3 back to EV2, um, basically there has to be no interruption in the job offer from the I-140 that it was based on last year. Um, you're leaving the company to, you know, a, a different company using AC21 kind of interrupts that job offer, even if your previous employer were willing to have you rejoin. Um, based on kind of our reading of the guidance, it, we would say it most likely is not possible to move from EB3 back to EB2 once you've used AC21. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, that was kind of all. So oh. your current employer, if yeah, um, we would say that that is not possible unless the new employer basically does the perm for you and starts okay. a new perm and I one forty. Okay. So what you're saying is I, I'm not even eligible for interfiling. And even though I join back my old employer also, that doesn't qualify me to get into EB2 because there in is our, an... Right. Yeah, in our opinion, that's the case because the guidance um, says that moving from EB3 to EB2 or vice versa, um, it can be done. So those interfile and new I-485 as the two main options of moving between categories, those can be done, but only in the case where there is no interruption in the job offer from that first I-140. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. But but is it isn't that a 140 or any 140 EB2 or EB3? Isn't that for the future job offer? It is technically, um, but it there isn't really a way for a new employer to kind of to to do that using AC21. I'd say kind of our reading of it is that once you've used AC21, you're locked into EB3. Okay. Plus the new employer does a new perm. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for your um, suggestion. Sure. Uh, next question. Sriram. Hey, thank you, Rebecca, for giving me the opportunity. I have I recently be, uh, got into a complicated situation. So um, to brief you a little bit, on 2018, I got my first H1. And till 2019, October, I worked for that company. And uh, I, I moved to employer B on October 2019. But on November 2019, uh, USCIS uh, person went to the client location. And they asked for my work location for 2018 to 19. And uh, the response, the person unknowingly gave me a wrong location of Virginia when I was working in, uh, and my labor was filed in Dallas. They gave a wrong location of Virginia. And this happened and my old employer got a notice of revo uh, revoking, mm -hmm. but I never know about that. He never informed me, neither he responded because that came in end of 2020, which is an year after, year, more than a year after I left the company. So okay. they never responded to it. And after that, recently, a month back, my new employer filed an extension for my H1. That was approved. Now um, I'm moving to employer C. When they file H1 to me, they got this uh, notice that intention to deny, saying that my uh, old H1 was revoked and I'm subjected to cap. So I never got an opportunity to respond to them. I have all evidence that I live in Dallas, even my and client, previous client, Fannie Mae, the first client, also gave me a letter that the information was given wrong now. 
So can I have a hope that when I respond to intention of deny with all this information, my H1 will be? You can try. I definitely would try. Um, since the notice of intent to deny, at least at this point, you have the opportunity to respond to that. It is going to be pretty difficult. So the um, the petition that got the first notice of intent to revoke, that was the one that was selected in the lottery for you, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if it's already been revoked, then yeah, then that's why you were getting this notice of intent to deny. Um, it could be difficult, but I definitely would try um, with as much evidence as you are still able to provide. I know it's difficult to provide evidence from a few years ago, especially if you didn't know at the time that you needed to keep it, but whatever you have or anything that the end client um, from back then is willing to provide you to support to show that it was the um, I mean, I gathered all the information, my credit mm -hmm. card statements, the toll tag bills, my uh, leasing uh, the house, the leasing letter of the house where I lived, the end client letters, everything I could possibly get. I called them yeah. or somehow I get it. But my only, I mean, this is ridiculous, right? I never had an in, information and this is a misinformation from some person and I am suffering. So I'm really in a terrified situation. Yeah, so I would definitely, um, the attorney who's working on your NOID response, I would have them emphasize that the first petitioner mm -hmm. notify you of the NOIR, didn't respond, didn't provide you with this information that you, you know, were unaware of this until this notice of intent to deny and that um, that you were working in the correct work location according to that first LCA and that it was that first petitioner's fault for basically not even trying to respond to it. Um, I think if you have as much evidence as you do, and if um, you know you explain that it was basically blame that first employer, um, kind of appeal to USCIS on sort of humanitarian grounds, I have some chance. But it, yeah, it is a bit difficult because it would require them in the notice of intent to deny to kind of go back and reopen a case that it sounds like USCIS already revoked. Um, I haven't personally heard of a case where they have done that, but um, I would definitely try it. Um, as a backup, uh, I would probably have your current company plan to submit you in the lottery for this upcoming year in case. So the new extension, which was uh, uh, approved one month back till 2024, that should be fine, right? I am not out of status or something. That is not, they didn't get any revoke letter or anything. At this time, you're not out of status, but if they do um, end up denying the application um, for the reasons that you're still stuck to the cap, it could put you out of status immediately. That's the problem with the very first CAP subject application being revoked because then UCS considers that you were not properly counted in the CAP. And then so any subsequent transfers or extensions that you did based on that first CAP selection are kind of considered void um, if they revoke that first one. Okay, okay. So what, like, uh, I mean, okay, that's all I have. I don't want to take okay. much of your time. Yeah. It's a complicated situation, I know, but yeah. Good luck, though. So yeah. I, yeah, definitely prepare as strong a response as possible. Um, 
hopefully UCS will be reasonable. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, next question. Harinath. Hi. Um, hi, Rebecca. Um, so my we recently filed for H4, H1, and H4 EAD renewal. Uh, H1 and H4 is are approved, and H4 EAD uh, got an RFE and it's still pending. So oh, okay. H1, like all three of them are valid till December 2nd. I just want to know if my wife can continue working since her H1 is approved. Yeah, uh, if her H4 extension is already approved beyond December, um, then yeah, based on this new auto extension policy, she can continue working after December based on the I-765 receipt notice for up to 180 days or until the new EAD arrives. Um, what was the RFE about for the I-765? Uh, they just asked us to send photos again for some reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is kind of rare to get an RFE for an I-765, but yeah, if it's just something kind of procedural, just like, um, then it shouldn't be too much of an issue. And yeah, at least there's this um, auto extension policy now that will allow her to have a gap in work authorization. Well, we just have to provide uh, her expired or going to expire H4EAD copy and okay. I-765 approval. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty simple. Um, yeah, hopefully they won't take too much longer after you respond to it. So I would still try to submit the response as soon as possible. But yeah, the, the auto extension policy will apply to her next month. So the I-94 on uh, H4, is that uh, considered actual I-94 or does she have to go to border and come back? Does she have to do anything? Um, so she got an I-797 approval notice with the yeah. I-4 card attached at the bottom, valid until 2024? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that is the I-94. So she doesn't need to travel or do anything. So if the I-539 is approved and she has that I-797 approval notice with the I-94 card at the bottom. So um, to provide to her employer as proof of work authorization after her current card expires, she should provide that I-797 approval notice for the I-539 application, um, plus a copy of the expired, they should already have a copy of the expired e um, and a copy of the I-765 receipt. Okay. Three things will authorize her to continue working until the new EAD arrives. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. Uh, next question. Shiv? Shiv? Harshavardhan Reddy? Uh, hi, Rebecca. Hello. I applied H4 extension. It was already completed 35 days. Still, we did not receive an receipt number. My I-94 expires on 11-23-2021. Can I stay in USA until I received my receipt number? Yes. Um, you said the I-539 was delivered to USCIS how long ago? About 35 days ago? Ah, uh, yeah, yes. Last month, October 13th, they received, yes. And you haven't gotten a receipt notice yet? Ah, uh, no. Okay. Um, have you been able to check the bank records for the check to see if that is cashed? We called the USCIS call center. Huh? They, they don't have other records. Uh, 
Yeah, they probably won't give you much information without a receipt number from USCIS. But um, did you file the I-539 on your own or through an attorney's office? Yeah, it's Phoenix Longmont. Or did you submit it yourself or did you have an attorney help you? Oh, no, I sent for the application. Okay, did you use a personal check? Um, uh, no, ma'am, no check, no, no in cash the check. Sorry, so what did you use for the filing fee? Uh, my husband visa have approved ma'am, till 2024. Give her the filing fee for the I-539 filing fee, um, the like $370 to DHS. Uh, what ma'am? So for the I-539, you have to submit a $370 filing fee to DHS. Uh, yes, yes ma'am, $370. Yes. Was it on a check, a personal check? Ah, uh, yes ma'am. Okay. Uh, what you can do is um, go into your bank records. If you have a copy of the check and or it, if you know the check number, if you go into your bank records and see if that check has been cashed according okay. to your bank. Okay. If it's cashed, then you're fine. It's just, that means USCIS has accepted the application and it's just taking a little longer for them to send the receipt notice, which is not uncommon for the lock boxes. They do sometimes um, take longer to send the receipt notices. If your bank records show that the check is not cashed yet, and you said your current I-94 expires this oh, month? Yes, ma'am, 11 23 Okay, if it's not cashed yet, I would probably resubmit it just in case something went wrong because Lockbox received something. If it's missing something, if like a signature is missing or something like that, or there's something off on the check and they can't accept it, they will send it back, but it could take weeks to send it back. So it may be weeks until you know that it was rejected. So, um, if you're, yeah, check your bank records today. If it's not showing that the check is cashed, um, I would maybe check with an attorney and see, um, get some help from an attorney to make sure it's properly filed this time and get another one before your I-94 expires. Okay. okay. Next question. And this will be our last one for today. Veda. Hello, um, my stamp visa expired on April 2019. I'm in India now. I'm looking for a stamping appointment. Um, there is a, a question in the appointment uh, questionnaire. It says, uh, uh, is there any H1 petition refused in the past? Um, after this last stamping, I had three petitions. First one was um, location change amendment, which was denied after that. I had two H1 extensions with amendment, they were approved. Should I say uh, I got refusal in the past? Is the question saying, have you ever had a visa refused or a petition yeah. denied? H1, H1 petition. H1 petition denied yeah. by DHS? Or... Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah, if that's the question, then you do have to answer yes about one of the applications that was denied. Um, I mean, if it was fixed eventually, which it sounds like it was, if you had subsequent extensions that were approved, then it really shouldn't be a problem um, for your visa stamping unless there was something more serious involved in that first denial. Um, yeah, but 
So it's phrased, have you ever had a petition denied? Then you'll have to answer yes and provide the explanation if they ask for it. If it's saying, have you ever had a visa refusal at the consulate? That's referring to a visa application at the consulate. So if you ever got a 221G or a visa denied at the consulate, then you would answer yes to that. Okay. Am I eligible for uh, Dropbox? It sounds like you are. Um, if your previous visa expired in 2019, from you said, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if it's yeah, if you're renewing it in the same class, um, then it sounds like you're eligible for the Dropbox since they're accepting it um, for visas expired up to four years ago. At this point. Okay, I submitted my DS-160 in um, September, and um, can I use the same DS-160 now, or do I need to submit new one? Um, if you submitted it initially for an in-person appointment and now you want to do it for Dropbox, I think you have to do a new DS-160 from my understanding. Okay, but, but in DS-160, we don't specify in-person or Dropbox, right? Um, I think at a certain point, it asks you for eligibility um, about whether you're eligible for the Dropbox. Okay. Okay, okay so- much. Uh, sure. So we'll have to end the call here for today. And the next one will be tomorrow at 11.30. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information, or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.